So Platte Park Church is turning 10 years old this year in October, so exciting. And we just thought we would take the entire year of 2019 to celebrate that fact. And so we're kicking off this new year with a series on joy. And Tim started us off last week. And today, in looking at joy, I want to look at three things. Sadness, train tracks, and fine wine. So that's where we're headed. Sadness, train tracks, and fine wine. First of all, sadness. I want to share a few memories with you from my own life. Um, one is a memory of being with Aunt June on her deathbed just holding her hand as she was dying. And I remember a friend from her Bible study coming into that space and leaning over and whispering in her ear, loud enough that I could hear it, but certainly intended for her, I'll see you on the other side. I can remember holding Lila, our daughter, on the day that she became ours, and uh, seeing just the total confusion and sadness in her little face as she was handed to us, people she did not yet know, and realized she was no longer with the foster family that she had come to know and love as her own. I remember wrapping my arms around a friend and just weeping together over the news of a second affair in her marriage. I remember looking at my phone just a little over a week ago and crying as I read a text message from a friend who was sitting at the airport waiting to board her plane, and she was watching a little girl about eight years old say goodbye to her dad after spending Christmas with him. And it was clear from what she could gather that she was going to get on that plane alone and head back to mom's. And my friend texted me this picture of these random people, and she said, I am sitting here at the gate bawling because this feels so much like my childhood. I can remember the goodbyes we said to Tim's dad before he died. I can remember the goodbyes that we said to our old English sheepdog, Sam, before he died. These memories obviously are filled with sorrow. They are sad memories in my life. And sorrow finds its way into all of our lives. We all face it at some point. Sometimes the sorrow is personal. Sometimes it's corporate or communal. But it is always painful. And often that pain strikes when we least expect it. Sometimes the pain and sadness is so deep that it kind of splits your life in two, like before and after that particular loss. And yet, for me, as I think on those sad memories, in each of those situations, it's like they are coupled with another emotion. It's like in the sorrow, 
for me, there was a glimmer of something that is kind of hard to explain. In fact, if I'm not careful, I just miss it every single time. It is a feeling that is kind of both far away and very present in the exact same moment. Sometimes I don't even see this feeling until retrospect. Like in looking back, I see it, but at the time I didn't see it. It is kind of both overwhelming and it's hard to pinpoint. It's definitely not happiness because these are not happy memories. I would say it's kind of like peace, but deeper, more encompassing than that. It seems unexplainable. It is maybe a little like a deep sense of goodness and some hope. And I think this feeling has a name. It's joy. And it feels like an unexpected visitor in these moments of life. Like what in the world is joy doing here in my sad memories? What in the world is joy doing here in the midst of my deep sorrow? I think when we talk about joy, we often, we just tend to overlook it. Maybe we don't recognize it. Maybe because so often, joy has been reduced to a synonym for happiness. But joy is so much more than that. You've probably heard it said, happiness is dependent on my happenings. It's connected to my circumstances. Joy is not. Happiness is triggered from outside. Joy is cultivated within. Happiness kind of ebbs and flows. Joy is deeper than that. It's more of a constant, ever-present. Joy comes from a relationship with Christ. Joy is said to be a fruit of God's Holy Spirit. So in the book of Galatians, in the Bible, we, we read these words. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Joy, a fruit of God's Spirit. It's connected to the person of God. And that is why sometimes joy is present in our deepest sorrows and griefs. Joy is that feeling of Emmanuel, God with us. Joy and sadness are like two sides of the same coin. Hopefully when you walked in this morning, you picked up a wood coin. If you have that, take it out right now. Find a pen in the seat in front of you. And would you just write on one side of that wood coin the word joy? And then flip it over and write the word sadness. And may that little coin be a reminder to you as we leave here this morning of what we're talking about. Joy and sadness. 
two sides of the same coin. Sometimes I am sad, like inconsolably so, but somewhere deep down, I know that's because of love. Like I am sad, I experience sorrow to the degree that I have loved. And when that thing I have loved is lost, I am sad. The depth of the loss is in proportion to the depth of my love. Like if there had not been love, there wouldn't be any feeling of loss. And so the deeper the love, the deeper the loss. Often we use this metaphor for life, which is mountaintops and valleys. We think life is a series of some mountaintop experiences and some valleys. And while that's not a terrible metaphor for life, I wonder if a better one might be that life is kind of like journeying on a train, like train tracks. And one track of the train is joy. And one track, the other track, is sorrow. And as we journey, joy and sorrow, joy and sadness are often both present. It's not like on the mountaintop there is no sadness or in the sadness there is no joy. It's more like a set of train tracks where joy and sadness are together. The book of Philippians in the Bible is a book whose theme is joy. The Apostle Paul is writing in prison. He's writing this book from prison. And prison is not a happy set of circumstances for Paul. And yet Paul is full of joy. Here is what he says at the opening of the book. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. When we start talking about joy, one of the main questions that pops up in most of our heads right away is just this. How can I experience joy when there's so much suffering in the world? That doesn't feel right. How can I experience so, like joy at all when there's so much suffering within? How can I experience joy when I'm experiencing so much pain? Pain is inevitable. How you respond to that inevitable pain is your choice. How we respond to pain determines who we become as people. So let me just ask you, what do you tend to do when you experience pain, when you experience suffering, how do you fight your battles that come into your life from within or from without? I think there are like three main ways, probably more than that, but three main ways that we tend to respond to pain, to suffering when it comes into our lives. The first could be illustrated by a beach ball and water. So pain, suffering, 
comes into my life, and I just push it under. I deny it. I minimize it. I ignore it. It's just going underwater. Okay, this is the first way. But, of course, you know what happens, right? At some point, it's going to pop up. The second way is like addictions. <laughs> I thought Oreos were like a you know, good example, but you've put in your addiction, right? Sugar, food, alcohol, pills, work, exercise, all the things that we can be addicted to. So whereas in the first response, I push it under, I ignore it, the second common one is I cover it up. It's almost like here, pain came, right? Like I got a cut. And then I put a bunch of mud on the cut. So I no longer see it. I no longer feel it. But it's not healing. It's actually making it worse. Addictions. In the first, pain, suffering comes into my life, push it underwater, ignore it, deny it, maybe muscle my way through. With addictions, cover up. The third and the invitation we're invited into as followers of God in the way of Jesus is the response of worship. That we experience pain and suffering and we bring all of it to the one who is familiar with suffering, to the one whose love for you knows no limit, to the one whose presence can bring healing. So what do you do when pain, when suffering comes into your life? Push it under, cover it up, or worship. Worship is simply to take my eyes off of all that is wrong in my life and in the world and place my eyes on all that is right with God and God's kingdom. It is not ignoring. It is not denying. It is not excusing or minimizing. It is bringing it all fully, wholeheartedly, totally and completely to the one in whom my healing is found. Richard Rohr says that if we do not transform our pain, we will transmit it. And it is here in worship that our pain and suffering can be transformed in the presence of God. Worship is coming to God just as we are bringing every feeling to the one who is familiar with suffering. The scriptures say the presence of God inhabits the praises of his people regardless of circumstances. Isaiah 61 says where there's a spirit of heaviness. Ever had that? Where there's a spirit of heaviness, we are given a garment of praise. Now why would we do that? Because that is where the healing is found. If joy is a fruit of God's spirit, 
if joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, joy is kind of like grapes on a grape vine. Imagine for a minute the grapes on this vine. The grapes are the expressions of joy, the fruit of God's spirit. Now think about a really good glass of wine for a minute. Wine comes from grapes. And in the anatomy of a grapevine, there are several below ground and above ground systems happening to produce that fruit. The cultivation of quality grapes that make great wine are rooted in quality soil, healthy roots, and even with quality soil and healthy roots, the cultivation of really good grapes that make really fine wine can take years, can take generations. And in a similar way, the cultivation of joy in our lives is related to the quality of the soil and the quality of the roots in your life. And even with good soil and even with good strong roots, joy takes time to cultivate. But here's the thing. It can be cultivated. If joy is a fruit of God's spirit, we can just ask ourselves this. What are the roots of a life of joy? What must I be rooted in to cultivate that fruit of joy in my life? Now, in Philippians, where Paul has this huge theme of joy, we see the roots of his joy. He tells us what they are. Paul speaks of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. So if you picture Paul's life kind of like a grapevine and you start digging around the vines to expose the roots, the roots would be this, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. He says this, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul is saying that when he came to know Christ, it was a relationship that he held in such high value, it was like a prized possession to him. So he gripped it tightly. He held on to its surpassing worth. And it is the root of his joy. And Paul's rootedness in Christ produced a joy that was not only lasting and firm, but it also led to a love for God's people. So much so that at the end of this book, he says, and this comes across like a command, he says to the people he's writing to, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say it, rejoice. It's like the roots of joy for him, surpassing worth of knowing Christ. And the trunk and the arms of joy are like a love for God's people. And the fruit, the grapes of joy, are those expressions of joy to people around him and the feelings of joy. In the uh, Disney Pixar movie called Inside Out, we see uh, this picture of joy and sadness. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, there's a little girl named Riley who is the main character of the movie. And inside of her 
is a control center of her emotions. And sitting at that control center are uh, five different emotions, joy, sadness, anger, fear, and disgust. And throughout the movie, the joy character is constantly pushing the sadness character out of the control center. So every time the little girl, Riley, starts to experience sadness, joy comes, get out of the way, sadness. I just want Riley to be happy, all the time happy. She's constantly pushing sadness away. But Riley's life brings some inevitable sadness and loss. Her family picks up and moves when she's 12 years old, leaves her friends, leaves Minnesota, leaves the house she she had grown up in. And near the end of the movie, this little character, Riley, starts to just shut down emotionally. And she gets the idea that she is going to get on a bus. She skips school. She gets on a bus. And she is going to take herself back to Minnesota. And uh, in this crisis moment of the movie, the character Joy inside of Riley realizes the only one who can turn things around is sadness. And so Joy, for the first time in the movie, steps aside from that control center inside Riley and allows sadness to take over for a moment. And as you watch this clip, um, notice how joy and sadness are two sides of the same coin. Notice how even in the midst of sadness, joy appears. And it appears through a little bit of a smile in the corners of Riley's mouth as she weeps and is held by her parents. This is Inside Out. Let's take a look. teacher hasn't even seen Riley all day. What? what was she wearing last year? You don't remember what... Riley! Oh, oh, we were worried sick. Where have you been? It's so late.
Minnesota too. I miss the woods and we took hikes. And the backyard where you used to play. Spring Lake where you learned to skate. Come here. Barbara Brown Taylor says, sadness does not sink a person. It's all the energy we spend trying to avoid sadness that does that. And when we deny sadness and pain, we inevitably deny joy. And when we medicate pain, we medicate joy. And so God invites us to bring all of who we are to all of who he is in worship. That's praise. That's lament. That's wherever you find yourself to bring all of you to all of him and to trust and to know that that is where our healing is found. I heard this song this week, and I asked Charlie if we could do it. It is uh, literally like 18 words long, pretty simple song, uh, but it basically speaks to this idea that as pain comes into our lives, as suffering comes into our lives, as sadness comes into our lives, worship is how we fight our battles. It is not a denial, it is not a medicating, 
It is bringing all of who we are to all of who God is. And so Charlie's going to sing, uh, teach us this song now. And um, as you pick it up, we'd invite you to sing it along with us as we prepare to come to the table in communion. The, song, the words of the song are, this is how I fight my battles. We repeat that a few times. And the chorus will be, it'll say, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And that's it. So just sing along if you, when you figure it out. This is how I fight my battles. 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 It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Doesn't change. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Pick three says, though the fig tree does not bud, and though there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. This is how I fight my battles. 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 It may look, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded. I'm Spread out my hands to you. I thirst for you like a parched land. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. This is how I fight my battles. 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 It may look, it may look like I'm surrounded. Praise was on my tongue. 
Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. This is how I fight my battles. 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 This is how I fight my 